First is brain training with dual and back. And from uh, Rainforest Hut in Costa Rica, all the way to the forlorn hills of Moldova, I have done brain training with dual and back. And for me, it has a uh, marked short-term and long-term effects. Within about 20 days of usage, you'll experience a positive effect on your emotional reactivity, focusability, and short-term memory. Perhaps thanks to the mainstream media, a lot of people think, a lot of people who have not ever tried brain training think it's a total waste of time. But anybody who has actually looked at the science will conclude that it's worthwhile. Looking at the science means actually reading the scientific papers and the abstracts of the studies that have been done on dual and back. You can read them in the science journals. You can pay the little fee, although a lot of them are, are just free. You can download the PDFs and take a look at them. Uh, or you can take a look at them on PubMed. Uh, what it does not mean, it does not mean merely consuming the opinion of uh, some blogger or journalist about the science, at some point you want to actually look at things yourself. Looking at the science in regards to dual and back, you'll find that there have been a couple of studies that expressed very mild skepticism about it, or they uh, had no uh, notable beneficial effect that they were able to demonstrate in their statistical analysis. However, it's, it's been studied pretty thoroughly as, as, a, as a brain training task. It, it has more uh, studies and research done on it than any other. And there's significantly more studies that do find a real positive effect from it. So in this case, the balance of the weight of the science falls on the side of it being beneficial. And if you do just a little bit of Google searching, you'll find a whole lot more biohackers, veteran biohackers, people that actually have an idea of what they're talking about online, talking about how it makes a real difference on their emotional reactivity, on their focus ability, and on their short-term memory, then you will people that are saying that its effects are totally unremarkable. Second is meditation. And this is a long-term biohacking strategy for a limitless mind. If you start meditating today, which you really should. I would urge you to do so if you aren't already. It's not going to change you that much by tomorrow or maybe even next week. But in the long term, it really is an effective tool for increasing your level of happiness, focus, and productivity. It requires very little. Ideally, you want to do it in a quiet room or place, but a uh, seat on a bus public transportation or a park bench 
work just fine as well. And there's a couple of tools like Headspace or Insight Timer that I would really encourage you to start using if you're brand new to it and you're not really sure where to start. These things are uh, very inexpensive. They have free versions that work really good that are great free products that will really get you started with meditation. And then they also have some paid versions that are, that are even better. The third biohack available virtually everywhere is high quality coffee in combination with green tea. Mm, which is what I'm drinking here. So you may have heard mixed things about coffee. The truth is that high quality coffee consumed in reasonable amounts can be a highly effective nootropic, especially when taken alongside an L-theanine source like green tea. Obviously, if you have the option of buying mycotoxin-free, organic coffee fresh from the farmer who produced it, that is preferable. But if you don't, follow this rule of thumb. Good coffee should be palatable, drank straight black without anything added. If the coffee has that strong, bitter taste that we classically associate with coffee and needs to be mixed with milk or cream to taste pleasant, that's a pretty clear sign that it's not really healthy coffee. If it has a slightly bitter taste that is still pleasant, it's likely fine. You'll also know by how anxiety prone it makes you. For me, if I have like two to three cups of coffee and then I notice myself getting irate with just little petty things, then that's a pretty good sign that it's not real quality coffee. If you're drinking really good stuff, it's gonna make you alert, awake, and motivated, but it's not supposed to make you anxious and overstimulated. In almost any city in the world, you can find an organic or vegan grocery store that's going to have some really high quality coffee that's gonna, that's gonna meet the standards that I'm describing. Or alternatively, what you can do is do a, a Google search and you can look up the hipster cafe in your city and then go there and you'll find some tattooed baristas who are likely real connoisseurs of 1237-trimethylxanthine, which is the chemical name for caffeine. Caffeine and L-theanine is regarded as one of the most efficacious nootropic combinations. A 2010 Dutch study, the combination of L-theanine and caffeine improves cognitive performance and increases subjective alertness, suggested consuming caffeine and L-theanine in approximately a two to one ratio from its abstract. The combination of moderate levels of L-theanine and caffeine significantly improved accuracy during task switching and self-reported alertness and reduced self-reported tiredness. There were no significant effects on other cognitive tasks such as visual search, choice reaction time, or mental rotation. The present results suggest that 97 milligram of L-theanine in 
in combination with 40 milligrams of caffeine helps to focus attention during a demanding cognitive task. This stack is one of my favorites and I consistently start my mornings just like this. The umami taste of the green tea actually improves the, the bitter taste of the coffee. Green tea has a subtle anxiolytic effect that is synergistic with the coffee and green tea is something of a creativity stimulator. So the two together are a great writing stack. And if I really want to take this to the next level, I will add some supplemental liquid nicotine. The two together make me clear-headed and motivated. Next is biohacking. So a lot of times, rookie biohackers, they really kind of put the cart before the horse by ordering a bunch of fancy supplements or biohacking technology before optimizing their diets. We profoundly are what we eat. If your diet regularly includes a lot of sugary junk foods, non-organic meat or animal products. Uh, not consuming meat is a whole lot better than consuming factory farmed, grain-fed, hormonally treated animals. Uh, personally, I'm not a vegetarian, but I avoid eating a lot of meat unless it's from a pretty credible source. Also, GMO foods. You want to avoid regularly eating cheap foods from big box grocery stores or fast food restaurants and try to purchase your food from local farmers or organic sources. Once after two months of uh, eating fresh bananas uh, practically right off, the, right off the tree in Costa Rica, I returned home to Denver, Colorado and I had a banana from Walmart at my mom's house and boy I could really taste the difference between GMO and Costa Rican organic. You also want to avoid simple carbohydrates and wheat products. I only eat bread about once a week. You want to avoid starchy foods. I'm thinking of my Irish roommate who thought that potatoes were a health food. You also want to avoid a lot of dairy products. And now I'm thinking of my misguided ex-American roommate who thought that milk was a health food. If you're not avoiding these things, if you got them in your diet, you are seriously holding yourself back as a biohacker and you're really limiting the benefits that you're going to get from other biohacking tools and technologies. Coconuts are my number one biohack, life hack, actually, because they are economic, simple, social, nutritious, delicious, and fun. I'll explain why. You can replace one of your meals a day with a coconut that is going to cost you about $1. I've eaten thousands of coconuts over the years while living in Latin America, South America, North America, and Europe. Interestingly, coconuts cost about the same all over the world. 
You would think the price of coconuts would vary as you got further away from the tropics, but even here in Eastern Europe, during the wintertime, I could easily find coconuts for about a dollar. I always try to buy my coconuts from a fancy organic grocery store in town since I assume they are a higher quality supply and they still always cost just about a dollar. That's right just a buck, so nobody watching this can use the excuse that they can't afford to eat healthy. Coconuts consist of very dense fat. Now, you probably remember from your nutrition education that there is good fat and there is bad fat. Coconut meat is comprised of medium chain fatty acids, acids which is the good kind. Your body doesn't store it as fat. Your body burns it immediately for energy and it doesn't raise your cholesterol. From a 2015 paper specifically on dietary coconut. Medium chain fatty acids are unique in that they are easily absorbed and metabolized by the liver and can be converted to ketones. Ketone bodies are an important alternative energy source in the brain and may be beneficial to people developing or already with memory impairment as in Alzheimer's disease. The abstract of the paper goes on to clarify that coconut will definitely not make you fat, if that's something you're concerned about. Quote, coconut is classified as a highly nutritious functional food. It is rich in dietary fiber, vitamins, and minerals. However, Notably, evidence is mounting to support the concept that coconut may be beneficial in the treatment of obesity. Next biohack is standing up. So uh, this is a biohack that gives you more energy throughout the day and uh, it also gives you more mobility and it's available to you nearly everywhere and it simply is not sitting down all the time, which unfortunately I'm not doing right now. I kind of have to sit down to record these videos with my, my current setup. Hopefully I'll get a standing desk installed sometime soon. If you, like me, have a job or lifestyle that involves spending many hours a day staring at glowing screens, there is a tremendous tendency toward a sedentary lifestyle. If you instead spend six to eight hours a day standing up, you'll notice that you are better able to maintain your energy and motivation throughout the day. Your breathing significantly improves. You'll breathe more deeply, more profoundly, more wholly. And at the end of the day, you'll have less tension in your chest and solar plexus. Your first day spent standing up will be just a little bit uncomfortable. Your knees, maybe your legs, maybe the uh, soles of your feet will ache just a little bit, but after a couple of days of habituating this, you'll notice that it makes you feel a whole lot better. As you can imagine, it has a real positive effect on long-term health. From the paper, Too Much Sitting, The Population Health Science of Sedentary Behavior, published in 2012. Even when adults meet physical activity guidelines, sitting for prolonged periods can compromise metabolic health. TV time and subjective measurement studies show deleterious associations 
and breaking up sedentary time is beneficial. Sitting time, TV time, and time sitting in automobiles increase premature mortality risk. So the point it's making is that even exercise does not offset the negative effect on your health of spending many, many hours every day uninterrupted just sitting there. Next is NoFap or tantric semen retention. And this is a short-term biohack for men. Simply put, you abstain from masturbating or having an orgasm for an extended period of time. It could be as little as two weeks. It could be several months, depending upon your level of uh, discipline and commitment to this. And you'll find quite consistently that your mood, your motivation, and your mental sharpness will improve quite drastically for some guys. So quite clearly abstaining from orgasming is something that single guys have a very individual level of volition over. However, for guys that are uh, uh, married or they're in uh, regular relationships, have a regular sex life going on, they're usually going to be orgasming with their partner several times a week, right? And the solution for them is tantric semen retention. This is something that comes out of Taoism, comes out of Eastern spirituality, comes out of these uh, traditions of, of health and longevity that were developed over many thousands of years in the Far East. And there are nine different techniques for preventing an orgasm and instead having a full body orgasm. And I'll link below to a place where you can find out more about this. Science has demonstrated quite clearly that orgasming alone lowers your testosterone deleteriously, whereas orgasming with a partner has a positive effect on your testosterone. Presumably because sex with a partner is a competitive activity. Or perhaps it's just that the long-term boost in testosterone from having a, a, a vigorous sex with a partner outweighs the short-term dip in testosterone that results from the orgasm itself. Not sure. Maybe, maybe there's some sex expert out there that's, that's uh, gone even deeper into the, the science on this one than I have, and they can care to comment. Either way, it's a, a real transformational biohack. Try it for two weeks and you'll feel like a new man. The next biohack available to you everywhere is cold showers. So you, uh, you don't have to ice your gonads like Russian power lifters do, uh, but cold showers are a life hack consistently practiced by high performers. The science is a little unclear as to whether it actually increases testosterone, but the effects that numerous biohackers report are analogous to raised testosterone. It improves mood and anxiety, it helps with weight loss, it increases libido. 
What you want to do is start by doing just 30 seconds at the end of a normal shower and eventually you'll work your way up to doing entire uh, cold showers and the uptick in testosterone is going to benefit ladies as well. Don't worry, you're not going to grow like a beard and big muscles, but it will improve your mood and energy levels. A side benefit is that you shower a whole lot quicker. You're not going to spend very much time lingering in the shower. Next biohack is breathing techniques. Our default breathing tends to be quite bad, especially if your uh, job involves sitting in front of a computer and uh, doing a relatively sedentary intellectual kinds of labor like like mine does, like a lot of uh, life hackers, biohackers, entrepreneurial type people that I talk to, uh, you're likely a chronically shallow breather. And I'll encourage you to check out the article I did on how to breathe like a Jedi. And as you can see, it's fairly complex. It's a bunch of steps within steps, and I don't recommend that you start by trying to implement everything. Uh, at first, what you'll find with practicing the breathing techniques is that uh, it's like a lot of mindfulness things, that it's boring and that you're pretty bad at it. And you'll want to, first of all, focus on gaining a level of conscious competence with the four stages of breath control that I outline in that article. And it's not a lot of fun practicing breathing. If you're finding it difficult devoting 10 to 15 minutes daily to merely practicing breathing, I'd suggest devoting every other meditation session for the next two weeks to doing these breath exercises that will get you over the hump of conscious effort and help you to habituate these breathing methods into your normal mindfulness practice. In this study, we investigated the effects of diaphragmatic breathing on exercise-induced oxidative stress and the putative role of cortisol and melatonin hormones in this stress pathway. We monitored 16 athletes during an exhaustive training session. After the session, athletes were divided into two equivalent groups of eight subjects. Subjects of the study group spent one hour relaxing, performing diaphragmatic breathing and concentrating on their breath in a quiet place. The other eight subjects representing the control group spent the same time sitting in an equivalent quiet place. Results demonstrate that relaxation induced by diaphragmatic breathing increases the antioxidant defense status in athletes after exhaustive exercise. I recommend adding the breathing exercise habit on coach.me. That's an app and it will prompt you to check in daily to practicing. Next biohack is sleep hacking. And sleep really matters to biohackers and to peak performers. And luckily, there's a lot that you can do to improve your sleep without buying expensive supplements, biohacking tech, or a fancy 
mattress. First of all, I'll mention the Sleep Cycle app. Check out my review that I did of this. This is a, it's a smart alarm clock that goes in your smartphone and your smartphone uses the accelerometer in it and it also can uh, listen to your your breathing sounds. If you're a snorer, if you're a snorer, which you can fix that, if you're a snorer, it will actually listen to you, listen to your breathing, and it will wake you up at the ideal time for you to wake up. And uh, it's not the greatest sleep hack in the world, but believe it or not, it actually does wake you up at a time that feels a little bit better, and you'll feel a little bit more, uh, a little bit more energized, and a little bit more ready for the day if you use that one. And I will mention also apple cider vinegar tea. This is a uh, this is a tea that will really knock you out. If you're a person that uh, maybe you're using uh, things like Xanax, or maybe you're using something a little bit less biologically invasive, like uh, melatonin and you uh, switch to apple cider vinegar tea, this will really knock you out. It really does deliver pretty great sleep. You know, I just mentioned melatonin. I will mention, I'll show that to you. Again here, melatonin, where do I keep my, aha. So melatonin is a supplement it's probably, it's one of the less, it's one of the less invasive supplements for, for uh, sleep hacking. And it really will, it really will put you to sleep. I will frequently use melatonin if I'm sleeping in, if I'm, if I'm sleeping in a new place or if I'm sleeping next to a new person. I really have uh, problems falling asleep because, you know, there's, there's something new, right? And I find that if I uh, drop a melatonin, I'll be able to get right to sleep. But you really don't want to use melatonin on a daily basis. You do work up a tolerance to it. You do have receptor sites in the brain that they start to require melatonin supplementation to get to sleep. So it's something that, you know, maybe use it like once a week, twice a week, but probably not a whole lot more than that. You'd want to look at uh, the apple cider vinegar tea that I mentioned. Uh, more importantly, you also want to think about low light before bed. If you want to significantly improve your sleep, avoid bright lights about an hour before bed. So don't stare at a bright glowing screen, leave the light off in the bathroom while you shower or brush your teeth, and install a dimmer app on your phone. Actually, the default dimmer app on, on the phone, it's not, it's not quite strong enough. You wanna make it even dimmer. So I link to a, my dimmer app that works. Well, it's not my own, but it's that, the dimmer app that I use. If for whatever reason you can't do this, you can't completely avoid that bright light before bed, the next biohack may be for you, which is wearing orange sunglasses before bed. And I wish that I had some so I could show how, how cool I look with them. If you're going to be exposed to persistent bright or blue light before bed, orange tinted sunglasses will block most of the spectrum of the light that disrupts your sleep. 
As you can see, there's a lot of stylish orange sunglasses, which you can likely find in a sunglasses store near you. Finally, I'll mention paracetam and or modafinil. These are two quintessential smart drugs, nootropics, that you can reasonably expect to find in a pharmacy in your city. They are synthetically created drugs, so while you ideally want to buy verified pharma-grade nootropics, the synthetic standards of these are pretty much universal. If you really need cognitive enhancement and you can't afford to wait a week or two on shipping, it's a relatively safe bet to pick up whatever the brand of modafinil or paracetam is that is carried by your local pharmacy. While they're both cognitive enhancers, biohackers use them for pretty different reasons. Paracetam is more of a drug for long-term memory and verbal intelligence. It's a social smart drug. Modafinil is for alertness, wakefulness, and focusing on complex logical tasks. For a lot of people, myself included, it's really not very great for uh, social situations or interacting with other people. You can't get a whole lot better price on these two smart drugs by ordering them online. But again, sometimes when you really need some cognitive enhancement, like, like, like tomorrow, you're better off just shopping locally. If there's some other nootropics that you are really well acquainted with and you found that their quality is pretty much universal, even, even if you're getting them from uh, you know, vitamin or supplement shops or God forbid, just from, a, just from a grocery store, let me know in the comments. I'm, I'm curious about this and if uh, there's some other biohacks that you can think of or uh, things to do that will increase your mind power either in the short term or in the long term that don't require shipping things vast distances and dealing with the really frustrating bureaucracy of an import uh, agency in your country. Let me know in the comments and I'm going to actually continue to research this topic and as I find more biohacks that I can recommend real highly to people that don't have access to or maybe are not even able to afford nootropics, I'm going to list those in the article that is below this video. So I would encourage you to check that out. Again, my name is Jonathan with Limitless Mindset, and as always, I look forward to a continued conversation with you.